Our text, our text for today is uh, Romans 15, 13. It is the first verse that was in the litany that we read uh, a few moments ago. And it is, uh, our, um, it is our blessing of those who sit before us. So today I'll do as I always do on a graduate Sunday. I will, I will speak mainly to those in these rows over here, but the rest of you I hope will listen in and not uh, check out or leave or get on Facebook or something. I hope you'll listen. And I'll look at the rest of them, but I'm thinking mainly about those, uh, everybody out. I'll look around, but I'm, I'm thinking mainly about you. So our text for today is our blessing for those who sit before us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to picture with me a photograph. I showed it to to the folks in the early service, but picture with me the photograph of... uh, A friend of mine named Randy Ashcraft. Randy's in his mid-60s, but looks a lot younger. Randy is uh, holding out in front of him, and I want you to picture this with me. He's holding out in front of him a big fish. I think they call it a striper. And uh, he's got a, a fly fishing rod in his mouth, what he used to catch that big fish with. And he has on his head, he's wearing a cap that has in bold letters, H-O-P-E, hope. Carrie and I have known uh, Randy and Anne, his wife, for a long time. I've known Randy forever. We're in a peer learning group. A pastor's been meeting for a long time, once a year. We, we met Anne in San Antonio several years ago when Carrie and I sat at the same table with uh, Randy and Anne. Randy adored Anne. He bragged on Anne. He loved Anne. And about 14 months ago, he lost Anne. A year and a half ago, she became ill, more ill than anyone knew at at the beginning. And then she died, and uh, Randy was devastated. But here, 14 months later, Randy stands with a big fish and a fly fishing rod in his teeth and, and a cap that reads, Hope. It doesn't mean that um, he's forgotten Anne. It doesn't mean he's over Anne. It doesn't mean he's not grieving anymore. It does, though, mean that even after the, the most painful loss of his life, he knows there is hope. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4 reads, there's a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to weep and a time to laugh. We might add, and a time to go fly fishing. Even after deep grief and horrendous loss, we can be people of hope. And let's be clear about what hope is right here up front. Hope is First, what hope is not. Hope is not mere positive thinking. It's not mere optimism. It's not mere wishful thinking. Uh, That can be uh, fantasy. Hope, biblical hope is more, well, it's deeper than that. Biblical hope is rooted in uh, reality and in resurrection 
and in redemption. It's rooted in reality. Biblical hope understands that bad things happen to good people and things don't always turn out like we want them to. And, and sometimes, sometimes even when you pray, things don't turn out like you'd want them to. But hope is also rooted in resurrection, remembering that, that Jesus was dead, real, he was really dead. And God resurrected him from a horrible death. And if he can do that, then he can do anything. And so people of hope, of biblical hope, believe in miracles and even anticipate miracles. Biblical hope is rooted in reality, it's rooted in resurrection, and it's rooted in redemption. To redeem, of course, is to take something really bad and turn it into something really good. And people of hope, biblical hope, understand that the creator of the universe specializes in redemption. And so, even if the, even if the worst thing I can imagine does happen, God can turn that into something good. Even my grief, even my loss, even my disappointment, even my failures, God can turn that into something really good so that at the core of who I am, I'm going to be okay. That's biblical hope. Even if things don't turn out as I hope they will or wish they would, at the core of who I am, I'm going to be okay. That's biblical hope because hope is rooted in reality and in resurrection and in redemption. And so I would say to those of you who are about to head out I, I, on uh, life's proverbial journey, I would say choose uh, hope. Let me be honest, uh, life is hard and, um, and all your dreams won't come true and, um, and you will fail at the uh, at least one big thing you try, and some of you will suffer deep grief. All of you will suffer some grief. People will disappoint you, and you'll disappoint people, and you'll disappoint yourself. But there is hope, and that which says to you, get up when you've fallen, and um, try again when you've failed, and love again when you've lost, is, is hope. Several uh, weeks ago, I made a passing comment on a Sunday morning. I don't even remember what I was talking about, but I said how futile I believe it is to make your bed in the morning, because after all, you're going to mess it up again just several hours after that, and as if I've ever made a bed in 36 years of marriage or even before that, come to think of it, but I... <laughs> I said how futile it is to make your bed, and then a few days later, my my friend Betty Lunsford gave me a book titled Make Your Bed. She was, um, by the way, the subtitle to that is uh, Make Your Bed, Little Things That Can Change Your Life and Maybe the World. She was having a little fun with me, but it's a, it's a wonderful book written by retired Navy Admiral, Navy Admiral William H. McRaven. And one of his chapters is titled, Never Ring the Bell. He begins the chapter by telling about uh, his days as a Navy SEAL when he was a, re a recruit, standing there in line with a bunch of other Navy SEALs, and the, the guy out front, the sergeant or head torturer or whatever they call him, was out there telling him how hard this was going to be, about how grueling it would be, about how painful it would be, about how... He said, most of you aren't going to make it, it would be. 
And then he walked over to a bell that was in front of them, and he pulled the rope on that bell, and it rang, bong, three times it rang, bong, bong. And then he said, all it takes to get out of the pain and the work is to ring this bell three times. If you want to quit, all you've got to do is ring this bell three times. And then uh, Admirable, uh, Admiral, I'm sure he's Admirable too, but Admiral McRaven went on to tell the story of a young Army Ranger, 19-year-old Adam Bates. Admiral McRaven had risen through the ranks. He was Admiral now, and he'd gone to the uh, military hospital to visit Adam Bates. Mr. Bates, the Ar Army Ranger, had had both his legs blown off on the battlefield, and the admiral talked about how courageous he was and what a deep character he had and how, it, how, it, how the admiral admired the young man. He went on, he said, a year later I saw him. He was standing high atop, tall, standing on his prosthetic legs, challenging other soldiers to, to a pull-up contest. He was adjusting to a new life, the admiral wrote. He never quit, he continued. Never, ever ring the bell. Remember that SEAL instructor telling those young recruits how most of them wouldn't make it and how hard it would be? He stopped after he'd rung the bell as if uh, he was going off script. Maybe he'd told that story a hundred times. But there seemed to be something different about what he would soon say. It was if, as if maybe there was a story behind it. He said... But let me tell you something. If you quit, you will regret it for the rest of your life. Quitting never makes anything easier. So don't quit. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your faith. And that which keeps you from ringing the bell is hope. That's that which says to each of us, Try again when you failed is hope. That which reaches down and picks you up when you've fallen is hope. And that which puts its arm around you and says love again when you've loved and lost is hope. So all of us can be people of hope. We can choose hope. But don't just choose hope. I, I, I'm inviting you to spread hope. There are lots of people who need hope people who are giving up on their families and their dreams and their faith. Once every 12 minutes in the United States, someone gives up on life itself and ends his or her life through suicide. A lot of people need hope. And you and I have the opportunity to come alongside them and say to them, let me show you something maybe you haven't seen before. In 2 Kings 4, there's the story of Elisha. Elisha was in Dothan, not the town on the way to Panama City, but ancient Dothan. And, and Ben-Hadad, the leader of the Aramean army, had surrounded Dothan because the Arameans were enemies of the Israelites. And Ben-Hadad, the leader, knew that Elisha was the power behind the throne. So he was coming for Elisha. And one morning, Elisha's servant came out of the tent, looked around, and there were, there were soldiers and chariots and horses of Ben-Hadad all around Dothan. He said, boss, come out here. you got to see this. And Elisha dragged himself out of the tent and looked around. And his servant said, look at all those 
soldiers and horses and chariots. What are we going to do? And Elisha, Elisha said, those who are for us are more than those who are against us. But he could see in the eyes of his servant that his servant wasn't buying it. And so he smiled and he prayed these words. Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the next time the servant looked around, he saw behind the line of soldiers and chariots and horses of Ben-Hadad, there were these horses and chariots of fire. He'd gotten a glimpse into the unseen world, these symbols that God's protection was greater than the threat. Elisha just said, man, let me show you something you haven't yet seen. And spreading hope is helping people see what they've not yet seen. It's coming alongside somebody and saying, let me show you the potential you have within you that maybe you haven't seen. Let me show you some options you have here, some possibilities you haven't seen. Let me show you that that God's power and His love and His wonder are all around you. You just can't see it because you're hurting. You have the opportunity to help people see hope. This week we said goodbye to a, a lady who spread hope. Mary Reader loved those people on the margins, people who didn't have a voice, people who were unwelcomed and unwanted and unheard by so many. She had a particular passion for people with mental illness, and so she started Our Place and started spreading hope up on Max Luther Drive. There, Our Place is a drop-in center for people who struggle with mental illness, but from each other and from the staff, they find hope. They do everything from bingo to ballroom dancing, and they always have a Christ-centered devotion. Mary Reeder was like the Mother Teresa of Our Place. She, she built that place to spread hope. I sat with Mary and her husband Jim in a house not far from here, a dirty house, a, 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 a house that was unkempt, a house where I was a little worried about sitting down. It was smelly and a little probably unsanitary. But there was a lady there who lived alone. She's, she's died since then, but Mary Mary invested in her. She was intentional about it. She offered her hope when not many others would have. Somebody's got to take her place. Mary Reeder was one who knew what it was to spread hope. We can be people who choose hope, and we can be people who spread hope. Chantel, would you join me up here, please? I want you to meet one of my new friends, Chantel Varner. I heard her speak at... Um, a Christian Women's Job Corps luncheon about three weeks ago, and when she told her story, I was so moved, I wanted you to hear it. So Chantel, come tell us, please. Good morning. My name is Chantel Varner, and I'm honored to be here today sharing my story. My beginnings were complicated. I was a witness to verbal abuse and domestic violence in my home from the age of seven to 14 years old. That eventually led to me having an abusive boyfriend, an unexpected pregnancy, and the devastating decision to have an abortion at the age of 19. With God's help, I made a sharp right turn towards healing. I pursued my goals and joined the Air Force. I had a very successful military career for 14 years. 
During this time, I also worked, traveled, and became financially stable and was very active in my church. In addition, I also became a NOVA certified Air Force victim advocate for sexual assault and domestic violence. Just when I thought life was great, I was rear-ended in a traffic accident. I sustained neck and back injuries and lots of physical therapy. I did not re-enlist in the Air Force because I couldn't medically pass the PT test. I eventually had to file for short-term disability and was denied. I lost my job. I interviewed over 25 times with no luck. By August 2017, I was down to my last $280. I started to worry. I prayed, I asked God to help me. I went to an interview later and met Carla Johnson, another Christian Women Job Corps student. She told me about the program. I was intrigued. I applied and was accepted to the Heritage Campus. When I interviewed with Susan Elder, a peace overcame me and I realized my prayers were being answered. I remember telling Susan that September was my faith month because I had no money. I had no idea how I would pay for gas to get to class or pay my monthly bills. But miraculously, Christian Women Job Corps linked me with all the right generous resources and they were able to cover my expenses. Christian Women Job Corps was a vital asset during my faith walk. Using the tools that I learned, I created a resume, I got an interview, and on the last day of class, I nailed the interview. Two days later, I was offered the career God had prepared for me as a government contractor, logistics system, program support analyst. I started my new role November 2017, and a year later, I was recognized for distinguished achievement. Shortly after, I was promoted to lead systems analyst and received a raise. This is not the end of my story. It continues to unfold daily. Jesus knows the road has not been easy for me. However, the journey has definitely increased my faith and given me the ability to endure tough seasons. I would like to leave you with one of my favorite scriptures, Galatians 6 and 9. Do not grow weary or become discouraged in well-doing, for in the proper time, in due season, we will reap the harvest if we faint not. So don't give up, don't quit. Your season of harvest is on the way. That's a great story of uh, choosing hope and people spreading hope. And I want to close with uh, one of my top favorite stories ever. I did tell it to you a couple of years ago, but um, I think it ought to be told at least every six months. I think it ought to be part of the fabric of our lives. So uh, two, two years ago, about this time of year, uh, Joy Moore, our preschool minister was scheduled to give the children's sermon on a Sunday morning, but she was ill on a Saturday night. By Sunday morning, it was obvious she was not going to make it, so she called Hope Mackey and uh, said, hey, Hope, I'm not going to be able to make it uh, 
this morning. I'm sick. Could you do the children's sermon? Hope volunteers with children. She Joy knew she could do it well. And so Hope was getting ready. She had two kids. She was getting ready that morning. Uh, Jamie was sick. I think he was in bed with a cold or something. And um, so he wasn't of any help. And, and Hope was trying to get herself ready. And, and she put the speak, hit speaker on her iPhone or s- smartphone, whichever it was. And she, uh, she was listening, but trying to get ready. And then she, and she can't, you know, get, Joy was telling her the theme for the day and all that. And then she came, Hope did that morning and did a great job as if she'd been planning it all week. Well, that coming Friday night, Carrie and I were in Tuscaloosa for a concert of our um, niece, and there were lots of choirs singing that night. Not that it wasn't lovely, every one of them, but I, there were lots of choirs singing, and I, uh, I, I started, my mind wandered a little bit, and I, I, I remembered what happened on Sunday, and I wrote in the program, uh, joy couldn't make it, but hope could. And then then I had this moment of inspiration. Oh, you could just hear the, the choir, heavenly choir singing. And I wrote down, when, when joy can't make it, hope can. And I, I elbowed Carrie and I showed joy can't make it, hope can. And sometimes joy just can't make it. The burden's too heavy and the night's too dark and the grief is too deep. Even for the follower of Jesus, there comes a time when, when joy just can't yet make it. But hope always can. It's rooted in reality. It's rooted in resurrection. It's rooted in redemption. When joy can't make it, hope can. Would you say that with me? When joy can't make it, hope can. One more time, like you mean it. When joy can't make it, hope can. Would you all stand, the graduates, please? Right, I didn't tell you that I was going to do this. Just stand right where you are. And I want to wrap this up with... um, with a blessing towards you. And so we just turn outward. Well, those of you on the front, you, you just let these folks do your blessing. The other rows, y'all turn sideways and around. And I want all of the rest of us, I want you to repeat after me that blessing with which we began, our blessing on, on these we love. May the God of hope bless you with all joy and peace. As you trust in Him, so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 590. Thank you. I'll just keep standing.